Future Church, Seven Laws of Real Church Growth by Will Mancini and Corey Hartman. Forward by Ed Stetzer. In January 2020, I read about a virus in Wuhan, China. I'm not sure exactly why, but I thought at the time this might be something big. I began telling people in February, we are going to see schools and churches close, and we would tell our grandchildren one day about this spring. People were pretty skeptical for about a month. Since I started preparing my staff at the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College in February for the coming virus, we were ready to provide a number of resources to churches early on when the pandemic hit. I was probably patting myself on the back for my foresight when Donna, my wife, asked me, If you saw this coming, why did you leave our retirement in the stock market? She was right. I did not see what I needed to see. And probably the only reason that I even took the virus seriously at first was I had watched the movie Contagion over the Christmas holidays. You see, telling the future about anything is hard. Telling the future about culture is hard. And discerning the future church might be even harder. There are three things that we might want to consider as we think about the future of the church. First, patterns are hard to break. Even in the pandemic, churches discovered pretty quickly how hard it is to adjust to a dramatically different reality. Our church life, Sunday services, organizational approach, and general patterns of worship have really not changed that much for a generation. Suddenly, every pastor in America became a televangelist. Ministers who resisted streaming their services suddenly embraced the technology. Some who had criticized online services found themselves doing them. The coronavirus forced rapid change for a season. However, my bigger concern is not that things will all change. It is that things will go back to the way they were. That's what happened during wars and economic downturns for centuries. The best predictor of the future is the immediate past. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. If we are going to see God's people fully unleashed for God's mission, it will take some pattern breaking, and that's hard. But the possibility for change is the greatest in tumultuous times. Things that have been building, perhaps unnoticed in the grind of day-to-day life, suddenly seem to accelerate in seasons of uncertainty. And the hope of real change is, I think, before us today. Second, change builds, but then surprises us. As change accelerates, there are breakthrough moments. Tipping points, some call them. There was John Huss and other dissenters who had concerns about the established church. And suddenly, there was the swing of a hammer and 95 theses were nailed on a church door. At that moment, things tipped and the Protestant Reformation broke through. We may be in one of those moments in regard to the church and its mission. We need to lean into the moment to see how God is moving in our midst. Movements seem to spread out of nowhere, but their flood is preceded by tributaries preparing the way. What started as local change then becomes widespread in its impact. We are in unprecedented times, yet none of this has caught God by surprise. He is the God of moments and movements. What you will read in Future Church will help you perceive the movements breaking through our current moment. Will Mancini has seen a number of breakthrough moments in churches just like yours. Let his wisdom help you ride the wave of change, because that's what leaders do. Finally, leaders play a major role in change. 
Leaders give courage and guidance to ride these waves of change. This is why the early adopters and early majority play such a huge role in the diffusion of innovation. Whether it's Apple computers with people like Steve Jobs or the rise of contemporary worship through places like Calvary Chapel, we may be in one of those moments. It's a tumultuous time, and tumult is a catalyst for change. This is where Will Mancini and Corey Hartman's book can help us. In Future Church, you will read about the seven laws of real church growth. At the heart of this is the question, what will you do with this ministry moment? Will is especially equipped to lead us in a moment like this. We are never going back to the status quo before 2020 and COVID-19. That much is clear. What is less clear is how you will lead moving forward. In the following pages, you will see not how to endure this season with a survivor's mindset, but how to lead your church to its greatest disciple-making capacity in its history. Since you are reading this book, you are thinking about the future. That's good. You won't get it all right, as my wife reminded me. But you can be better prepared for that moment of change. Will began writing this book before the pandemic hit to help leaders look at the next 20 years of ministry. This year's events only accelerate the need for principles like he explains in these pages. You can lead the people God called you to lead, and this book can help you lead well. Ed Stetzer, professor and dean at Wheaton College and executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Introduction, Every Church's Primary Problem Today. On a single day not long ago, I, Will, spoke in two different cities with two very different pastors who put their finger on the exact same problem. After 10,000 conversations with pastors, two simple and unexpected statements converged with spontaneous and unbelievable insight. The convergence was as rare and unforgettable as a solar eclipse. Only the effect was not a literal blocking of light, but quite the opposite. The statements became a portal to see the future of the church. I spent the first half of the day with a 65-year-old pastor of one of the most successful Presbyterian churches in the country, according to attendance and giving standards, of course. This good man served the Lord well over his ministry and was now transitioning to a new life stage. Yet, as he reflected on his lifetime of preaching, he privately expressed his quietly smoldering discontent about the condition of his church. Will, he told me earnestly, the church has got to be more than a rotary club with a choir. After this conversation, I hopped on a plane to another city. A 35-year-old, newly minted lead pastor picked me up at the airport. He was still enjoying the favor that comes from the honeymoon phase of a pastoral tenure at his growing mid-sized Baptist church. There was much excitement about the future in his congregation. In the car, I asked him about his number one challenge. Will, he replied, I have to convince my people that church is more than a show on Sunday with a few hooks in the water throughout the week. And there it was, the beating heart of two passionate pastors testifying to the stopped heart of Jesus' mission in the organized church. The problem was not conveyed as a meteor colliding crisis, but as the pervasive pressing concern. The short phrases revealed at least five metaphors for the church. Business, club, entertainment, performance, and bait on a hook. I don't think the young pastor had ever been to a rotary club, 
and I don't think the retiring pastor had ever fished with a trot line, but they were certainly on the same page. Two successful pastors, almost two generations removed in ministry experience, on opposite ends of the theological and stylistic spectrum, articulated the exact same problem. They led churches that by all accounts are thriving, but they secretly suspect that many of their people have little clue about the church Jesus actually started. People come to church, but don't get church. The churches they serve feel like a pseudo-church. Something is missing. My conversations that day revealed to me an extraordinary fact. It took one generation in time, from 2000 to 2020, for every generation of church leader in every faith tribe to feel the same primary problem, namely that the church in North America is dramatically overprogrammed and under-discipled. Of course, this challenge has been expressed in many other times in many different ways. But in our moment, the named problem carries an unprecedented gravity and rings with piercing clarity. It is more than an observation of those gifted to be innovators or a courageous few. Instead, every pastor has begun to ask themselves with greater freedom and conviction, are we making disciples or faking them? Leaders, like the two pastors I talked to, feel the expectations of church as we know it weighing down upon them, but the pressures do not line up with what they are truly called to do. That's what Future Church is all about, returning the organized church to the passionate conviction of disciple-making in the way of Jesus. To state the problem in its purest form, I will articulate the substitute mission of the church that these two pastors are trying to correct. Think of this as the actual aim of local churches across the land that have so normalized mission drift that Magnetic North barely registers on the compass. The functional Great Commission in North American churches has become go into all the world and make more worship attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few hours a month. The purpose of Future Church is to provide a pathway that does not abandon the church to its current trajectory, but boldly hails the need and reveals the opportunity to reset our compass in our cultural moment. The Future Church Journey Before we get started, I want to explain the authorship and the voice of this book. Future Church was co-authored by myself and my friend Corey Hartman, a writer and pastor. This book comes from both of us and our ideas weave together throughout. Yet, to make for a smoother and simpler reading experience, the book is written as if spoken by me individually. You can think of me as your guide on a journey crafted by us both. To best help you, I started by escorting you uncomfortably deep into this problem that we are all familiar with, but often do not fully understand. In order to awaken clarity and activate progress, I paint the contrast between faking disciples and making disciples in the church today. My goal is not to be simplistic or sassy, but to apply my missional heartbeat and prophetic voice with a bit of grit. It has been said that prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. I want you to gain new appreciation for the breadth and depth of the dilemma, but I walk you deep down in order to lift you higher up up with new vision, and up with renewed conviction. There is a solution on the other side. 
The journey of this book can be mapped this way. One problem, two rooms, three churches, seven laws, one master tool. That is, one problem of faking disciples, the primary problem of every church today. Two rooms, a simple picture that both unveils today's crisis in the North American church story and gives you help and hope for your church's story. Three churches that when seen together become the most useful typology for understanding the North American church over the next 20 years. Seven laws of organized disciple-making for real church growth. One master tool to map the way forward, which consists of two funnels derived from the modern ministry model and Jesus' multiplication model. I got the idea for a book on future church when my thoughts startled me awake in the dark, quiet hours one night in 2016. Four years later, when we were putting the finishing touches on our first draft in the spring of 2020, many churches had stopped meeting for public worship because the COVID-19 pandemic had struck North America. It astounds me that this book was being finalized under these circumstances. All of us had been hearing for a long time that the future was coming fast. But while this was being written, change overtook the church at supersonic speed. It felt like we passed from 2020 to 2030 overnight. I realize that it's foolhardy to make sweeping predictions about something I am still living through in July 2020. Still, from this vantage point, I believe that the COVID pandemic probably constitutes the greatest innovation opportunity that leaders will have in a lifetime. Yet, there is a danger that the church will miss the moment. Shortly after the pandemic froze life as we knew it, my friend Neil Cole gave me perhaps the best way of thinking about the crisis as it pertains to the church. Neil said that COVID-19 is a shot across the bow of cultural Christianity. He meant that our inability to gather in customary fashion for weekend worship had the potential to dislocate and purge the last remnants of a Christianity rooted in local culture and social custom instead of a conviction to follow Jesus. A warning shot is scary, but it's also gracious. Just as God's confusion of the languages at Babel was a scary act of grace, in Genesis 1.28, God commissioned the human race to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. By Genesis 11, the human race was failing to obey the instruction. Instead of spreading out as instructed, people clustered together to make a name for themselves and rival God. With forceful mercy, God disrupted their construction to re-engage their commission. In similar fashion, the coronavirus forcibly and lovingly reveals what is true about the church in the early 21st century and offers us the chance to renew our obedience to the Great Commission. When a church can't cluster together for weekend programming, it shows how faithful it is to the mission when it's scattered. Meanwhile, every week of the pandemic, we have been flooded by a hot mess of tips and tactics for how the church should respond. As useful as these might be for making quick fixes to keep things rattling along, they don't address the much greater vulnerabilities the pandemic exposes. At best, they help leaders adapt, but they don't help them innovate. Imagine, for instance, that the internet breaks tomorrow. 
The chaos it would wreak on the world would make COVID look like child's play. In addition, almost all the advice for church leaders on how to cope with the pandemic would become completely irrelevant overnight. Yet, whether a pandemic strikes or the internet breaks or the church is driven into hiding, not a single word of this book you are holding would become irrelevant. Its principles were relevant before we sat down to write them. They're relevant today, and we believe they will remain relevant in all circumstances until Christ returns. The church may be closed on weekends, but the mission of Jesus is never boarded up. The internet could disappear, but the word of God would still sound to the ends of the earth. Psalms 19.4 This book begins by displaying the problem the church is mired in, but it ends by revealing the wonder of the mission that Christ has called us to. Our reason for journeying is to see the restoration of a body as old as the apostles and as new as tomorrow, whatever tomorrow holds. Welcome to Future Church.